Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Jesus said to his disciples, You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a youth in EYC at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Meridian, I had the great fortune of going on a lot of wonderful trips with our youth program. We went to New York City and we stayed at the General Theological Seminary. And after that trip, we were told that we could never come back. <laughs> well, that's all right. I didn't go to seminary at General. I went to Virginia. While there, we did a lot of wonderful mission work at soup kitchens and food pantries, serving the poor and the homeless. And we went for the... Um, when we were there, we toured Trinity Wall Street and we visited the World Trade Center. And it was the same weekend that they were wrapping up the cleanup efforts in the aftermath of 9-11. We also went to Chicago and did some of the same work there. Food kitchens or soup kitchens and food pantries. And we hung out with some underprivileged kids at an after-school uh, program. And while there, we saw the sights and did all the tourist things. We went to a Cubs game, and the game that we went to uh, was a game after Sammy Sosa, the great Cubs legend, was caught corking his bat. So Chicago was all in a buzz because of that. And then after graduation from high school, I had the chance to go to Rome and to Zay. And this was the last trip I took with our EYC. And so we went to Rome and we saw the Colosseum and we toured all of these wonderful, beautiful, majestic basilicas reminiscent of the temple in today's gospel lesson. We went to uh, the Vatican and we saw St. Peter's Basilica, toured it. We toured the Sistine Chapel. Uh, the Pope was still John Paul, JP II. Uh, he was too ill to come to the window to bless us. Uh, but it was a great experience. And then from there, we went to Tizay, and we spent a number of days there. And you, we're all familiar with Tizay chant, that beautiful chant that that community gives us. And so while there, during evening prayer, you could go up to Brother Roger, the founder of that community, and he would give you a blessing. And so I did that one evening. And he said something to me in French. I don't speak French. But his translator next to him said, he has invited you to eat lunch with him with uh, him and the brothers tomorrow. And so that was a really neat experience to go and to be with Brother Roger and to hear 
his story and to talk with the brothers that live there. It was a wonderful experience. All of these trips together, they, they shaped me, they formed me, and they molded me for this, for ministry, for this vocation, for the priesthood. I can look back to those trips and say that all of those experiences serving the poor and the homeless in Chicago and New York City, my time in Rome and Thizay, all of that is a part of my calling to the ministry. There was another trip that we took, but this one was much different. This one wasn't to uh, another country or to a large city. It was across town in Meridian to a local church. This church put on a production every year called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. So you kind of get the gist of what we might have been stepping into. And so during this production, there were different scenarios and they would act it out. And I'll give you an example. Let's say there's two construction workers and they're on lunch break. And so they have opened their lunch pails and they're eating their sandwiches and they're talking among one another. And one says to the other, that age old question, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And if he did not know the Lord Jesus Christ, if he had not confessed his love for Jesus Christ, there was a precariously hanging beam over them that would fall upon them and they would die. And that one who had not confessed, uh, Satan would come up out of the ground and would gather him and take him to Hades. But if that construction worker said, I do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, but tell me, how do I know him? How do I get to know him? Well, then his construction worker buddy would feed him some lines that he would say, I want to take Jesus Christ into my heart and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And after saying that, that same beam hanging above would fall. But the difference this time is Jesus would come running down these golden steps from heaven, would hug this construction worker who had just confessed his love, and then they would go frolicking back up the steps into heaven. For a 16, 17-year-old, that was some tough stuff. Very dark. So we all went back to St. Paul's and we gathered in a circle and we discussed it. The priest said, what would you think? And we all sort of discussed it. That instance shaped me and formed me for the ministry as well. It shaped my theology. It shaped the way I look at the world. It shaped my relationships with people, especially people not in this room, people who do not worship the way we do, people who don't even believe. It was that moment that I believed in a loving, accepting tolerant God, a Jesus Christ who died to redeem all of creation. And it is not my job to parse out or anybody's job to parse out who is deserving of that love, who is deserving of that salvation. And I came away a little angry from that experience. How dare they hijack the word of God, which is meant to be a love story between God and creation. How dare they take the word of God and use it as a weapon and try to separate people over here and over here, you deserve the love of God because you said this. You did not deserve the love of God because you said this. So it shaped me as a priest. It shaped my relationships with others, especially those who do not think or worship like I do.
That's the age-old question that we as Christians wrestle with. How is it all going to end? What does that look like for us? Where do we go when we die? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for you? How will the world come to an end? There's been many wonderful uh, entertaining predictions out there that you can Google. Uh, but how does it end for us? How does the world end? That is what we have always wrestled with as Christians. Jesus is talking with his disciples in the temple, and he notices that they are adoring these large stones, and they are awed at the majesty and the magnificence of the temple. This temple was great. This temple was beautiful. It was large and majestic. It was mighty. It was a fortress. It was Herod the Great, that Herod who tried to kill Jesus. It was his greatest achievement, building the temple. And Jesus said, do you see all of this? All of this wonder, all of this majesty, all this beauty. Not one stone will be left upon another. All of it will come crumbling down. For anyone in earshot of Jesus' words, that would have meant the end of the world. The temple destroyed, that would have been the end of the world. That was the identity. The identity, that was the DNA. That was the identity of these people, these Jews. That is where they pointed to. The one place on earth where God existed. The one place on earth where God lived is in that building, in the temple. For Jesus to say, none of this will be left one stone upon another must have been hard for them to conceive. But Jesus gives them hope. He says, not a hair of your head will perish. All of these things will happen, but I am with you. Not a hair of your head will perish. When my grandfather retired from full-time ministry in 1995, the local TV station, WTOK, came and did an interview with him. One of the questions they asked was, okay, you've done this your whole life. You've been here for 33 years. How does this all end? Again, that age-old question. How does this all end? And my grandfather said, you know, that same question was posed to my New Testament professor in seminary by one of my fellow students. And my New Testament professor, you would have thought that he would have gone immediately to Scripture for some sort of comfort or some words of wisdom to answer that question, but he didn't. Instead, he quoted The Eternal Goodness by John Greenleaf Whittier. I know not where his islands lift their fronder palms in air. I only know I cannot drift beyond his love and care. I only know I cannot drift beyond his love and care. Folks, it doesn't matter how it ends for you or for me or for the world. Quit worrying about it. We have been assured by our Lord Jesus Christ who has redeemed us on the cross. We have been assured that he will never abandon us, that he will be with us, that he will protect us, lead us and guide us, and that not a hair of our head will be touched, and that there is nowhere we can go, 
nothing we can do where we can drift away from his care. These stones, they will not last. Money, wealth, power, all of those things that we seek, they will not last. Jesus says, cling to me, trust in me, believe in me, and not a hair of your head will perish. Quit worrying, people. God's got this. There is nowhere we can go or anything we can do that will take us from God's care. Amen.